Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast. Today we are doing the second part in leaving a legacy. In the first part, if you have not had a chance to listen to it, we talked about the reality that for the most of us, we have this, I believe, God-given desire to have a life that has a lasting impact on at least our sphere of influence and possibly beyond that sphere of influence past the time that we are on this planet. We see that in the general population in terms of estate planning or writing down your family heritage or we see it in the heirloom furniture or quilts or those kind of things we seem to think about it in terms of possessions most of the time and what we looked at last episode was some flesh and blood testimony of what can happen when we allow the Lord to focus our hearts, our minds, and our very lives on what Paul would say should shape our lives, not toward thinking in terms of leaving a legacy, but on living it. Because I don't think Paul was thinking about leaving a legacy during his lifetime. He was focused on living for Christ. For he says that Christ is your life. That's what he calls us to. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ and God. Where Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. In Colossians 3. That is how we aim. Suppose your life is an arrow. That is what we're aiming towards. In this point in our investigation, in answering the question of how should we aim to live out our legacy, it's time to look at some biblical anchoring and some practical suggestions in how we can do that. The first thing we're going to do is sort of take this idea of shooting an arrow and aiming at a target. What you would do is take your stance. Take your stance. Once we understand the task, we need to take our stance. And what this looks like is to become firmly rooted in our faith. In Colossians 2, we find, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. That's verse 7. Now we could camp the entire time on this verse. It's sort of a cycle that is given to us in this verse. How do your roots grow down in Christ? Well, through reading the Bible, through studying it, and through knowing His Word. How does your life become built on Him? As the Word becomes truth in you, it changes how you see yourself and how you really see the world. It alters how you make decisions. Your whole life does become hidden in Christ because the truth of God sort of leads you in all that you do. And then your faith does grow out of His truth because you come upon crisis after crisis, struggle upon trial upon trial. You have to put God to the test because you're in these situations. And what you find is God is faithful time and time again. And that faith 
grows. And then you have no option but to be overflowing with thanksgiving. You see, what Paul is trying to get us to understand is if you let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth. You will have no option but to overflow in thanksgiving. It's sort of a a guaranteed money-making scheme here in terms of faith. That's what this verse is conveying. We want to take our stance, and this is what we would take our stance in. That would be the first anchoring that we would do to get our eyes aimed at the right position and shooting this arrow. Second thing we would do is get a grip on your bow. Hold tightly to the promises that bind your faith in Christ. In Psalm 138.8, we see this. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. You can take this to the spiritual bank. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for you. If you and I believe this promise, then the upsets, the spiritual dry periods, those derailments, those discouragements, that seemingly endless periods of waiting that do come because you know they do come. They do not have to knock us off track or cause us to put our callings on the shelf and sit down and eat four packages of Oreos or Ho-Hos every night for a year or two and give up on living beyond ourselves. Oh, we'll just make a quilt and call this hard legacy living pursuit done. No, we don't have to do that. Instead, we get a grip on the truth of God's word for today. We remind ourselves of what it says for you and me today. I don't care how many times we have to do it until it sticks. That's why you connect yourself with the verse of the day. You get in the Bible study that you can go to. You get yourself a plan to read your Bible every day. You get it until it sticks, until you get a firm grip on the truth that God is trying to get through your thick-headed skull. The Lord has a purpose for your life. The next thing we do is, I'm calling it, be decisively resolute. The English people are probably cringing right now. It's either decisively resolute or be decisively unswerving or single-minded or unshakable, something like that. I just couldn't narrow it down, but it's that idea. While still in his teens, Jonathan Edwards wrote a series of resolutions, 70 resolutions, These he dwelt upon, and they really give a strong indication of what a serious and earnest dude he was. Every fiber of his being must have been morally and firmly rooted in his faith. These were not gulfs. These were areas he resolved not to swerve to the right or to the left in. He didn't give himself a cushion here. No passes for easy living. This was high moral ground. I just want to share a few of them. I think it gives us a picture of what he was about and how you can achieve the kind of legacy that he achieved. It's not just taking 30 days to do Weight Watchers here. These are serious resolutions. Resolved to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Resolved so to do whatever difficulty I meet with, how many soever and how great soever. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved never to do anything out of revenge. Resolved never to suffer the least motions of anger toward irrational beings. Resolved to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. What does that look like for you and me today? I think it looks like being resolute in your aim 
This is what we get from Scripture, from chapter 12 of Hebrews. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It looks like being resolute in your aim. What are you aiming towards? Is it Christ honoring with your life, or is it not? I think we could be resolute about that. It also looks like staying dressed and ready. We find this in Luke 12, 35 and 36. Stay dressed and ready for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Here are some questions to ask yourself. And I ask myself these same questions. Are my eyes fixed on Jesus or are they gazing over at other things? Have I allowed myself to get sloppy in my focus? Ladies, anybody can live a normal life and have a pretty tombstone. Anybody can do that. It takes a resolute focus on Jesus and an unmatched intensity in prayer and aligning ourselves to his character to be part of a heritage that produces a hundred missionaries. I mean, forget the vice presidency and all of those other glorious achievements that they had in those five generations. A hundred missionaries? What's it going to take to develop the character to do what your calling requires? That would be a very strong question to ask yourself. Which would you rather have? A pretty tombstone and a normal life or the heritage of a hundred missionaries that come because of the life that you chose to live today? What then must you do to be dressed and ready? Arrows are for shooting, not for leaning against the back door, waiting around for the perfect conditions or when you feel like it. Another thing we need to do is keep your muscles taut. When you are pulling that bow back for that arrow to shoot, you must keep your muscles taut. That means we can't quit. We can't let our muscles get out of shape. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. We get this from Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Did you catch the last part of the story in Sarah Edwards' account that we talked about last week in which she was introducing a new child into the family every other year from about the time she was 19 until she was almost 40? That is a lot of work. I have a new friend who has 11 kids also. She's slightly older than me and a little further down the road. She still has kids in the home. She's got kids she's driving back and forth to college, toting around for jobs and things. And then she's also got some married kids who have children. So she's got grandchildren they are bringing back into the home. And the other night I asked her about her day. She said something about 10 of the 16 grandchildren being at her home that day. And I know I lost all the color from my face and I really didn't have anything to say except I haven't thought that far along and it's true my brain had always been focused on raising them to leave the nest and never gave a thought to they're gonna come back to the house and what they're gonna bring with them I just I just had never thought about it and drop off for me in large numbers and what's gonna happen after they do that I grew weary just with the thought of it so this was a good reminder there is no reaping if we quit. There's no reaping. Not only that, it's more than that. These last three points are very connected. I think you're going to see the connections. The next one is that we never go shooting alone. We never go shooting alone. Notice Jonathan and Sarah were a team. They included their children. And scripture speaks loudly about our call to one another. 
We also find this in Hebrews in chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Legacy living is a dangerous sport. The enemy wants nothing less than for you to quit, but better still, for you to be destroyed in the process, and those you find near and dear to be destroyed also. And that process is succinctly described in Hebrews. We are here warned about sin, its deceitfulness, and the results thereof. The results are deadly. You've witnessed it, and maybe you have experienced it at some time in your life. Maybe you've given into some temptations or you've seen someone else given to temptations and that sin became more desirable than Christ and it became obvious that it was more desirable than Christ. Or maybe it's become more desirable than the spouse or the kids. And then the gospel and church and reading your Bible, the music, it just has no effect. It has no impact. There's not feeling anymore. That's hardness. That's the hardness that we read about in Hebrews. It's an insensitivity to the Holy Spirit. What this text is saying is that a believer in Christ can go there. And it is our responsibility as the body of Christ to bring them back. This is the juncture of legacy living that is keeping my feet to the fire. What the writer is saying in Hebrews here in the most gentle way is we are responsible for one another. Don't let it happen on your watch. He says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let me ask you, who is it that you need to encourage to bring back? What strategy or strategies do you need to employ to begin doing this more and more? People matter. And according to scripture, their salvation to the end in terms of sanctification and what you reap at the end depends on it. Finally, you and I must hold our stance. We cannot shoot that arrow straight. If we are moving around and doing things we ought not to be doing, we are to be focused. We have got to hold our stance. We've got to keep standing. The next verse in this passage says, for we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We are supposed to hold to the end. Our lives depend on finishing well. As to the lives of those that are entrusted to us, it's not going to be easy. It will take a mighty fortress to hold us steady. This is the verse to which I am clinging this season. In fact, I made a t-shirt on it. I sell it at my table. It is that important to me. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. As Psalm 62, 6 and it's in the King James. <laughs> I shall not be moved. My faith shall not be moved. Last summer, we served at Camp Abel. We have a special needs daughter that she attended while we served in various capacities. And one of the campers just stole my heart. It's a camp for adults. And uh, all of these campers were special needs. And this little lady, she's kind of an old bitty. She did not want to do anything. She's stubborn as a mule, but she's hilarious. I just loved her. Her group is going down rotating through each of the activities and it was her turn to go to the BB gun range. She wouldn't go unless someone took her in the golf cart. So we arranged it. In, you know, almost an hour, she came marching back. No golf cart. No. Little Miss Difficult, I can't walk that far, found a spring in her step. She could not wait to flag her target paper in my face. Well, my goodness gracious, she had blown the center out of that target paper. 
it was completely gone. She was so proud of herself. It changed her whole experience. I mean, the woman was on the stage by the end of the week. It was amazing. What she didn't know was that there was a marksman shooting alongside her, ensuring that if she did what was necessary, if she showed up, if she aimed at the target, if she if she did all of the things that she was supposed to do, if she shot with all her might, she would indeed hit the bullseye and blow it up. See, that is the picture of what the Holy Spirit does in your life. If you will take your arrow, if you will take your life and aim for a life higher than what you see around you, a life hidden in Christ, more splendid than sin can offer, He gives the opportunity to partner in attaining something more glorious than you can ever imagine. We, in essence, are given the opportunity for target blasting with our very lives. Let me encourage you to think about one tangible step you can take this week towards developing a strategy toward taking a stance, letting your roots grow down deep. What truth do you need to take hold of? Are there places in your life you can make resolutions? Are you in need of any strengthening? Do you feel like giving up? Don't do it. Just take one more step. Who can you encourage? What will you do with your arrow? How will you live your legacy? Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing our resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.